Today on the Inside Scoop, Texas is barely inside the top 20, but I'm going to lay out a path for them to finish with the top five class. Miami pulls off a massive surprise, but first... We're going to talk Florida State, the Seminoles. They're making a little noise on the recruiting trail, but can they pull off a real shocker and land two five-star DBs? We're going to get to that in a minute. FSU has landed seven commitments since July 1st. So for this segment, let's welcome in Michael Langston of Warchant, and let's look at what they did last week. A little Thursday, Friday, Saturday action. FSU on a run with offensive tackle Jonathan Daniels, offensive tackle Ty Hilton, then on Saturday, four-star athlete Makai Danzi. Mike, Jonathan Daniels goes six foot four, two seventy-five. How was FSU able to land him? Because early on it looked like LSU. Then Georgia brings him in on official. Kentucky brings him in on official. What was the key here for FSU? I, I think the big key for them is the consistency of what the way they recruited him, and two, the relationship with what uh, Alex Atkins does with offensive linemen, his development, even with young guys, really resonated uh, with Jonathan from the start. It was just uh, I felt confident even when I was hearing noise about LSU and even Georgia and Kentucky was in there. But I think it was a different feel when you listen to Jonathan talk about FSU and Atkins was on a different level. It's close to home. It's not far in the development. Like I said, I think his development and his way he resonated and connected with Jonathan was on a different level. Yeah, a day later, they land six foot four and a half, 285 pound offensive tackle Ty Hilton, another pillar to that offensive line class. And then Saturday, hey, you got to find somebody to run behind all these big men. So Makai Danzi, he pulls the trigger, six foot one, 175, the number seven ranked athlete in America. What does FSU see in Danzi? I think uh, when you watch his game a lot, you see a lot of LT, and I say LT like Lawrence Tuofilo, you see a long strider. He does a lot of things. Now, the difference is, like, you can cue the band when, when Danzy gets an open field because he is gone. He has got electrifying speed. Probably the fastest kid uh, at running back out of high school they've recruited since Dalvin Cook. Uh, guy's got big wheels. I mean, he can he can take it the distance, and he's improved a lot on, if you watch a lot of his junior stuff, mm -hmm. of what he does inside, running between the tackles. Uh, we do a, we did a few pieces with him, got up with Jared Hickman, his head coach, and he was kind of breaking down some of the things that he's improved on. But I think he gives you a home run hitter at that running back position. It's a great compliment to Cam Davis, mm. who they already have, because he's more of a power quick and space guy. So I think it it's kind of what they've done uh, when you look at it, the, off, uh, the running back position. They like to have diversity with different guys having different skills. They're going to use like four or five this year. So you've seen that, what David Johnson likes to do. And this is just kind of the, the final you know finish to that running back class uh, to get these two guys in the fold. Yeah, I like it. Cam Davis is built like a boulder with muscles. And then you get Makai Danzi, who's a bona fide track guy to kind of run that thunder and lightning in the FSU backfield. So the Knowles now have 18 commitments. They pop inside the top 10 for really the first time all summer. They're currently sitting at number nine, but Mike, a few big pieces on the board and they're coming off soon. Let's start with five-star cornerback, Charles Lester. He's set to decide July 28th. Now I have my prediction in for FSU for Lester and all kind of signs point to FSU right now, but I'm sure Noel fans are not feeling confident right now. You know, nothing's done until the announcement's been made. Who do you think right now is the biggest competition on decision day for Charles Lester? 
Yeah, we've been here before, haven't we? Uh, Travis Hunter, I, I think that makes people like Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street kind of scared, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that you know you see that. And I've always said from the start with everybody, even with Alabama and Georgia in there, that Colorado was for me was always the one where you're talking about a single-parent family uh, for Charles Lester. Dion uh, does a great job in that kind of situation. And I think for me it's always been Colorado is the biggest threat because, one, he's – he just got the two uh, best cornerbacks in a row, I think, in Kamani McLean and Travis. So certainly there's a threat, and Dion does good with, with defensive backs. But I'm not totally sold that Charles ends up playing DB. I think I think it wouldn't shock me in the end if he, college he played a receiver just because he loves that position, even though he said DB all the time. But I feel good about where Pachu sits going into that july 28th event but certainly you know you still have to you know feel not at ease when, when Dion's involved and, and you have colorado right there what they do with defensive backs but i think they're in a pretty good position there yeah that's going to be a commitment announcement that everybody in the country is going to have their eyes on just to see if there's a chance of a surprise there all right we're going right. to talk about five-star kj bolden he's making his announcement august 5th but what i need fsu fans to do right now is like this video and subscribe to the on three youtube page fsu fans we got a lot more fsu recruiting coming so subscribe right now all right the big one on the board five star db kj bolden the number one safety in america he has set his decision date for august 5th and director of recruiting for on three chad simmons had this to say about three days ago about his recruitment quote the school that has quickly become one to watch a little closer though is Florida State. In recent days, the buzz around the Seminoles has picked up significantly. Mike, why has the buzz picked up when it comes to FSU and KJ Bolden? Yes, yeah, so right before Chad put this on, our, our uh, beat writer, uh, Matt Lassier, came on there and it's like, look, guys, we're hearing that there's more of a chance. FSU's very much in this than what people are putting on. Then Chad put up his thing. And I've been hearing, like, probably the last two to three weeks, you know, I've been hearing, first when I heard, like, yeah, whatever, like, Georgia, you know, come on, Georgia, Ohio State's been the teens. But then it started getting louder. The noise is getting louder. And it was from some consistent people that I trust and in intel. So I think, barely the big reason was um, that second visit he took, uh, even in the summer, really he saw kind of the connection he would have with the program. Obviously, FSU is a dream school, but I don't think that's it. I think it's more what this program is evolving to, what he's seeing as far as what they do in practice, the way they practice, mm -hmm. the way they work, and that has resonated with him. And then also seeing kind of, you know, putting it back in his mind what Jamie uh, Robinson did a year ago under this system at that safety position, it really resonated with him. And I think for FSU, they need to give him a reason to come to FSU. And I think that really moved the needle on that visit and just resonated more so than, than a lot of places that, that he's seen so far. You know, even the Ohio States and the Georgia, I think it just resonates with him. And they're right there. Um, now they got to finish the job, but I think the momentum right now is with FSU based on the intel I've heard throughout the recruitment. Uh, but what about the fact that he has not taken an official visit to Florida State? Now, I know the visit numbers are there along with the other schools. Like, he's been to right. Tallahassee as much as he's been to some of these other places, but took an official to Georgia, took one to Clemson, took one to Ohio State, took one to Alabama, none to Florida State. What does that mean to you? I think 
I mean, obviously you want him to get on campus for an official visit, but at the same time, KJ's indicated to us several times, like, I think he really wants to use that official for a game. I think even more so. And we've sought that with a lot of recruits. Like, they want to see this product themselves for their own eyes. So I don't think he wanted to use that until they play, you know, the Miami uh, down the line. That's a game that he mentioned to me when we interviewed him after a visit. But certainly official visits are more detailed. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot done. You can make a bigger impact. Um, I, I think long as the visits keep flowing, I think he's took like two or three to FSU. I think that's really the thing. As you've said many times, Josh, follow the visits. And as long <laughs> as they keep visiting, I think the impact is still going to be there for FSU. And it has been with what they've done uh, both off the field and on the field. On the field, yeah, they they moved the needle. But also, there's a connection that certain guys look for uh, from a culture standpoint that, that, that really resonates and even pushes the needle farther. And I think that's what happened with those last two visits to FSU with K.J. Bolton. I think they're a real threat. All right, Mike. Well, it's going to be a wild seven-day stretch for FSU fans as they have a chance to land two five-star DVs. Mike, thanks for dropping by the Inside Scoop, talking a little FSU with us today. Anytime, man. Miami landed their top-rated commit in the 24 class in surprise fashion. We're going to discuss how Miami was able to pull that off. Also, take a look at their defensive line recruiting and where things stand with five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo. Let's bring on Azubi Charles with Kane Sport for this segment. How did top 50 wide receiver Jashiza Trader fly under the radar and commit to Miami on Thursday without anybody having any idea that he was going to make his decision? Yeah, well, interviewing Josiah, you know, these past two years, he's kind of the guy that kind of keeps a lot of things to himself. So just hearing him make this surprise decision isn't too surprising to me. You know, with him, he's always been a quiet guy, not really talking, you know, giving a lot of information about his recruiting. But Miami's been recruiting him for the better part of four years now, and it kind of finally paid off. I spoke with his head coach, Damian Jones, at Shamadon Madonna, and he was pretty much telling me, like, hey, I'm not too surprised at the decision, but I thought it was going to come earlier, which is something that surprised me. But Miami's efforts of recruiting Josiah Trader really, really paid off with him announcing that surprise decision Thursday. Really big for their recruiting class, you know, with the momentum they're trying to build in July and keep it going in August and through the season. Yeah, and this was a big three battle primarily. Florida State, Florida, Miami. What do you think it was in the end for JoJo Trader to pick the Canes? I think it was that home field. You know, his family had a really, really big part in this decision, specifically his mother. She's in Miami, obviously. She lives there. His family is there. So I asked him, you know, what was the biggest thing for him? He said, I wanted to be home and I'm home. So I feel like that home field, staying in his backyard, being comfortable in Miami was the biggest factor of his decision staying and playing for the Hurricanes. So JoJo Trader, the number nine ranked wide receiver in America, commits to the Canes. Now I'm going to ask you, does this help with holding on to fellow four-star wide receiver Miami commitment Chance Robinson? Because I know primarily the Florida Gators have been after him trying to flip him. Yeah, I really do think it does help Miami with that because they all played on the youth football program called the Miami Gardens Ravens. And I believe there's six players in that 2024 class currently committed to Miami that played for that youth program. And I spoke with their head coach, Rod Mack, who's a former Hurricane, and he told me the biggest thing was, you know, keeping these local guys home, keeping these guys that all played on that youth team together, their brothers recruiting him. And with um, now JoJo, part of the class, Chris Wheatley Humphreys, another guy that played for the Miami Gardens Ravens, Chance Robinson, and a bunch of other guys. I feel like they're trying to kind of rebuild this youth program that was a, a dominant powerhouse back in their day at the collegiate level and played together at, at, at Miami. 
Yeah, I figured it might help kind of another hometown wide receiver being committed. Um, so I'm going to ask you next, is it going to help with Jeremiah Smith? But before I do that, Miami fans, do me a favor right now. Like this video and subscribe to the On3 YouTube page. we got a lot more Miami recruiting to, to cover. So right now, Azubi, tell me, five-star wide receiver Jeremiah Smith, he's committed to Ohio State. Does JoJo Trader, who's also teammates with them at Chaminade Madonna High School, does it help with the flip chances for Miami here? I really do think it does. Honestly, I feel like you need everything in your book to try to flip Jeremiah Smith and having his teammate, his you know lifelong best friend in that class now really does help them. But I feel like the biggest thing with Miami's you know, attempts to flip Jeremiah Smith is showing that they can produce receivers at a high level, just mm -hmm. like Ohio State has. Obviously, they can't you know replicate what Brian Hartline's done over the years there, but this year will be crucial for Miami to show, hey, I know you want to go somewhere else, but stay home. We can produce at a high level. Shannon Dawson has produced wide receivers at his previous stops and Tank Dell and his time at West Virginia. So this year, I feel like will be very, very critical for Miami to showcase that, hey, we can produce high-level guys, stay home, stay with your best friends, you know, put on for your hometown. That's a big thing that, you know, a lot of these South Florida kids, you know, think about, I want to, you know, make my uh, hometown team great rather than going somewhere else and doing it. So I feel like adding JoJo Trader to the mix is very, very helpful for the Hurricanes, but the biggest thing is showing that they can produce high-level receivers in Miami for Jeremiah Smith to potentially flip to the Hurricanes. Yeah, it's a big addition, and it also shows that, hey, there's big-time recruits that are considering the Miami Hurricanes. We're going to talk about five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo here in a minute, but I want to switch gears and talk a little defensive line recruiting. Last week, Miami picked up four-star defensive lineman Artavius Jones, the number 166 best player overall. That was on Friday. He's an important piece in the class to go along with four-star edge Marquise Lightfoot and Dalen Russell on that commit list. Let's start at the top of this list with five-star edge Colin Simmons. He took an official visit to Miami earlier in June. Azubi, where do things stand right now with Miami's chances at landing five-star edge Colin Simmons? Yeah, with Colin Simmons, he kind of took a surprise unofficial visit to the spring game to Miami and then, you know, took that official visit in June. And when we spoke to him after that official visit, he says he left Miami with no questions. They answered everything that he wanted to know. And with, you know, that situation, I feel like it's a real, real battle between a lot of SEC programs trying to lure him to an ACC at Miami school. But I think things are, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, Miami's, you know, trending, trending for him right now, but they're not, you know, outside looking. And I feel like they're kind of in the mix with everything. Obviously, like I said, schools like Texas, LSU are kind of the, leaders for his recruitment right now, but I feel like Miami's giving him something to think about, specifically with that Jason Taylor connection. A lot of these defensive linemen, they're always saying, you know, their biggest interest in Miami's come from Jason Taylor, Jason Taylor, Jason Taylor, and I feel like that's the case with Colin Simmons as well, so not saying Miami's trending, but I'm not saying Miami's completely out the picture of Colin Simmons, kind of somewhere in the middle where, hey, if something goes well during the season, I can see, you know, Colin Simmons giving Miami uh, an extra look or something like that, but I feel like they're kind of in the mix right now with him. How about Dylan Stewart? Now, he's kind of said that he's going to make a decision before the season starts, but he's also told me when he was here in Nashville that he was going to take it the distance. So I know Miami's kind of sitting in the same spot with Dylan Stewart. You know, they're, they're definitely a sleeper team that you got to watch, but maybe a South Carolina or even an Ohio State is considered the favorite. Do you, which bodes better for Miami, an August decision or if he takes this thing the distance and decides in December? I feel like uh, taking the distance type of thing for Miami because with obviously coming off a five and seven season, you don't have much to showcase guys saying, hey, you know, we did this last year. We did blah, blah, blah last year. I feel like if Miami can show what they can do this year with, you know, 
defensive line like Ruben May and a freshman or a Jaden Wynn has a good season, you know, guys in that 2024 class will start looking at Miami and say, hey, these young guys are coming in and, you know, making an impact in their first year and being a vital part of this defense. So I feel like the combination of, you know, obviously Jason Taylor showcasing, you know, his coaching ability and these kids actually performing, that'll be better for Miami in the long run if, you know, things come down to December commitment, things like that. Right. Another exciting name on the board is the number two rated defensive lineman in America, five-star David Stone. Again with him, there was so much buzz throughout the spring. Remember when he made those back-to-back visits, brought his mom on the second trip. And, you know, there seemed to be a lot of traction with Miami that he comes in for an official visit. But now that we're in mid-July, where do things stand with David Stone in Miami? Yeah, with David Stone, every time I kind of think about that situation, it's like a roller coaster. Sometimes I think, you know, Miami has this, you know, this guy's Miami's, and then, oh, no, back down and up and down, up and down. Like you mentioned, those two back-to-back official, uh, unofficial visits in the or in the spring and then his official visit in June. Right now, I feel like it's kind of stale. I would, I'm not stale, but kind of just stagnant with that. Obviously, you know, the dead period contact isn't, you know, where it should be or where, you know, teams can mm-hmm. actually reach out to but I feel like with this one, it's, it's a battle between Oklahoma, Michigan State, and Miami. And I do say this because this third unofficial visit was the Mario Cristobal pool party that kind of everyone knows about. And I talked to him after that, and I was like, so, you know, your third time here, just what have you seen? Obviously, you, you've seen everything that you possibly can see. Just has anything changed? And he said he saw a side of Miami that he's only seen at Michigan State and Oklahoma with the familiarity with the guys, seeing the coaches away from the facilities and things like that. So right now I feel like things are kind of, you know, stand still with David Stone. He hasn't really been saying much, you know. After his uh, official visit, he really didn't say much. But I feel like if come season, if he gets another trip to Miami, that'll be very, very big for them and kind of rebuilding momentum because they had momentum in the spring, lost it a little bit, picked up momentum in the summer with the official visit, kind of lost it a little bit. So I feel like getting him back on campus would kind of be the biggest thing for Miami in their season. Yeah, it really has been a roller coaster ride for David Stone. I mean, there's been moments where it felt like, boy, he might be ready to commit to Miami. And then a couple weeks later, you know, he's at Oklahoma or something and, and Miami's in the rearview mirror. So I agree with you, though. I do think Miami probably needs to get him back on campus in order to kind of seal that deal with him. But he's at IMG Academy, so it's not too far away from campus. All right, let's switch over to defensive lineman Aiden Breland, another five-star defensive lineman on Miami's D-line board. He goes 6'4 and a half, 320 pounds. He's the number 26 ranked player overall. Now he's out of California, Zuby. Do you think that Miami has a shot at landing him? Yeah, so this one's kind of interesting. Like you mentioned, he's out on the West Coast, but when I spoke with him during his first uh, unofficial visit to Miami in March, he said Mario Cristobal was his first offer in eighth grade when he was at Oregon. So that's kind of the connection they have there. And I asked him, you know, how important is that for, you know, seeing a guy that offered you in eighth grade and now you're back on campus, you know, going into your senior year. He said that's huge, you know, him keeping his word, him continuing to have faith in his production and things like that. And really added Miami to his top 10 schools. And he's hoping to take or he took an official visit to Miami. He really liked it, but kind of, kind of now it's waiting, you know, figuring things out. But I feel like that connection that, you know, they had back in the eighth grade, obviously a long time ago, but I feel like that small thing is kind of keeping Miami's chance alive. And if they can show him a few other things and his relationship with Chris Ball, they might have a shot at Aiden Breland. Yeah, some really good defensive linemen on the board. Could be an epic class this year for Miami in the trenches. We'll see how this all plays out. All right, I teased at the top five-star wide receiver, Ryan Wingo. Uh, He set a commitment date of December 20th. So I want to know, does the late decision, does that bode well for Miami? Does it hurt Miami? And where do things stand right now with Wingo and the Canes? So with that late decision, I think it's the best possible scenario for Miami. With Wingo, I spoke with him about two or three weeks ago, and 
he pretty much told me, you know, since Kevin Beard arrived on campus, his recruitment is kind of amped and he's kind of, you know, kind of put back Miami back in the picture. Kind of said, you know, previously the other coaching staff wasn't recruiting him as hard, but Kevin Beards came in and really amped up things. And it's kind of funny, before I spoke with him, I was speaking to somebody on staff in Miami talking about the receiver class. And they're like, if you could pick four receivers to, you know, have a dream, you know, 2024 receiving class, who would it be? I gave a few names. One name I didn't give was Wingo. And at the end of the conversation, they said, what do you think about Ryan Wingo? And that kind of, you know, kind of turned my head. I'm like, okay, Ryan Wingo is a big name, but not too familiar with him and, you know, didn't think Miami was really in the picture with him. Speak with him, he says that. So I really think if he gets that later decision, which he plans on doing, that's great for Miami because he did say that he wanted to see production from the wide receivers and see if they can, you know, produce elite level guys like the other schools that are recruiting him. So I feel like if Miami has a big year on that offense side of the ball, receivers produce, Miami could be right in the picture with Ryan Wingo. Yeah, and I think Wingo is generally open right now. I mean, you got mm -hmm. Georgia, you got Tennessee, you got Texas, you got Miami. There's a lot of programs still involved with Ryan Wingo's recruitment. So, yeah, I do agree. I think this kind of, you know, where Miami's sitting with him right now, I do think they can get him back on campus in the fall, show him a good time, and they'll have a shot to land him. So, mm -hmm. all right, Zuby, great job on your debut on the Inside Scoop. Thanks for stopping by, talking a little Canes recruiting with us. Thanks for having me today, guys. I really do appreciate it. Texas is looking like they have what it takes to finish with a third straight top 10 class. But that doesn't cut it for Texas fans. They want a top five class this year, and I see a path where the Longhorns can do just that. But first, here's a few names that will be committing this week. Let's take a look at defensive lineman DeAndre Robinson. He's the number 35-ranked defensive lineman in the country and the 406th best overall. Then just two days later, we got Corian Gibson. He'll be committing on July 22nd. He's a four-star, the number eight-ranked cornerback in the country, number 73 overall. So DeAndre Robinson commits on July 20th. He's six foot three and a half, 315 pounds. And Texas holds all the cards for him heading into his decision. They are trending heavily, but it looks like UF is the top competition. The Gators are just kind of hanging around in this one. But you got to, you know, you got to be aware if you're a Texas fan because DeAndre Robinson is from Orlando, Florida, and the in-state Gators are making a run on him. Now, two days later, after Robinson announces, Corian Gibson will set to make his decision on July 22nd. He's the number eight cornerback in the country, number 73 overall. And this one really comes down to Clemson or Texas. Now, there's a couple other teams involved, but it seemed like when he took that early June visit to Clemson that a commitment could be coming soon. Kind of the emotions of the visit ran out, and Corian Gibson now looks like he is all Texas. You know, we got to see what happens here in these final few days. You never know what could shake out. I like where Texas sits right now for Corey and Gibson, but Texas fans are looking for more. Last year was a top three finish. They're currently sitting at number 19 right now, and I'm going to show you how the Texas Longhorns could end up finishing with a top five class. You see, UGA currently has number one on lock. They're essentially a lock to finish number one. I don't know if there's anything that can be done about that. Ohio State, they're sitting at two or three. I think that's where they finish, probably three at the lowest, but most likely number two. After that, really, everything in the class rankings is up for grabs. Of the 18 teams ahead of Texas on Sunday morning, six already have 20 commitments or more. Five teams have 18 commitments or more. That means Texas has plenty of room to ascend up the rankings with maybe as many as 12 spots still left to fill. 
So let's take a look at some of the big names on the board for Texas as we come towards the end of summer. You got Edge, five-star Edge, Colin Simmons, five-star cornerback, Kobe Black, five-star offensive tackle, Brandon Baker, five-star defensive lineman, Dominic McKinley, and five-star wide receiver, Ryan Wingo. Whew, that is a lot of stars still on the board for Texas. Let's start at the top with Colin Simmons, the number one edge in the country. He visited Texas for an official visit on June 23rd, also took trips this summer to Alabama, SMU, and Miami. Simmons has not set a commitment date, and I don't think he's in any rush because he has an LSU official visit set for late November. In the end, I think this is a very winnable battle for Texas. I think early on, you know, he said that it was LSU and Texas at the top. I, I do think Texas is at the top. I don't know right now if LSU is as good of a spot as Texas is. I think the Longhorns' main competition is going to come from in-state Texas A&M. In the end, I know the Aggies aren't in a great spot right now, but I do think that Colin Simmons, when it comes to his decision, location does matter. I think A&M will be a player by the end of this. Now let's move on to five-star corner Kobe Black. He is a Texas lean, has been one for a while, but he's not ready to end it. He has official visits set to Texas A&M and LSU in the fall. Right now, I would say he's Texas is to lose. Now, the question is, can they close him out before the summer ends? They don't have to, but I think they would feel, Texas would feel a lot better if Kobe Black, five-star corner, was on their commit list heading into the fall, but it looks like right now, they're still gonna be battling it out. I do like Texas there. Offensive tackle, the five-star offensive tackle, I'm sorry, sorry, Brandon. Five-star offensive tackle, Brandon Baker goes six foot five, 300 pounds. There is a possibility that he ends this in the, by the end of summer. He hasn't set a commit date right now, but it is a possibility that a decision con could come before the fall. Now, he did take a visit, uh, an official visit to Texas in June, but I kind of feel like Texas is, they're in the race, but maybe not in the same spot that a team like Oregon is in. Baker's taken numerous visits, numerous visits to Oregon, and I think he's expected back there by the end of July. We'll see what happens. I think the key here, Texas needs Brandon Baker to take this into the fall and then also make it back to campus before he makes that final decision. Let's move on to five-star defensive lineman, Dominic McKinley, six foot five, 280 pounds out of the state of Louisiana. McKinley's not expected to make his decision anytime soon. And LSU is working hard to keep him home. Now, last year, LSU let six of the top 10 players in the state go. They didn't sign with LSU. The Longhorns are hoping Dominic McKinley follows that trend. He took official visits to Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M in June. Still has some more left on the board. I think the Sooners are hanging around. Texas is hanging around. We'll see where this one goes. Moving on to five-star wide receiver Ryan Wingo out of the state of Missouri. Now, when he stepped on campus, it seemed like a bit of a long shot. When he left, Jerry Hamilton told me, hey, Texas has a puncher's chance here. And I think the latest move that Ryan Wingo made, setting his commitment date for December 20th, definitely helps Texas because they needed to get him back on campus. They needed to have a strong showing in the fall. And now with Ryan Wingo not making a summer decision, he's going to take this thing all the way to the December signing day. I do think that Texas, you know, they sit in a position where they are able to strike and possibly land a five-star talent like a Ryan Wingo. But like I said, I think the key is to get him on campus a time or two 
before he makes that final decision. All right, so there it is. There's a path there for Texas to make a run at a top five class. I think what we need to remember right now, if you're Texas fans thinking, oh, we're at 19 right now, how are we gonna make it into the top five? Well, there's only 14 commitments. And as I said earlier, a lot of teams are already at 20. A lot of teams are at 18. So there is still significant space to fill at Texas. And we just got to see, do they finish top 10 or top five? Thank you for watching. Make sure you smash that subscribe button for me. And remember to check out all the videos on the On3 YouTube page.